Welcome to Wellspring on the Air, where professional Christian counselors share practical life and Bible insights. Why? Because hearts and minds matter. We're glad you joined our show today to hear from our host, Tova Kreps, president of Wellspring Counseling in Miami. Tova is a licensed therapist with many years of experience as a Christian counselor. Tova teaches, writes, and consults, and Life FM is pleased to have Wellspring Counseling restoring hearts and minds in our community. Good morning. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I am Tova, co-founder and president of Wellspring Counseling. And for today's show, I have a very special guest. I have Dr. Edward Stetzer with me today. Hello, Ed. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. May I call you Ed or do I Please do. No, call me Ed. All right. (laughs) That's what everybody calls me. Okay, good. Well, I am just thrilled to have you on the show today. And for our listeners, Dr. Stetzer is going to be our speaker at our upcoming Shattering the Stigma event on April 2nd. We are having a wonderful event. We're having a band, Run 51. Dr. Stetzer's emceeing and speaking for us about mental health in the Christian church and mental health just in our community as a whole. So that's why we have Dr. Stetzer here with us today. And so I just wanted this opportunity for our listeners to get to know you and to hear what we have to say about it. So I'm going to just dive right in and just ask for you to Tell us about yourself. You have had a long career in all different kind of Christian ministries, writing books and preaching and teaching and all sorts of things. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the highlights of your professional career? Oh, gosh, I guess, sure. I serve at the Billy Graham Center. I'm the executive director uh, up here at Wheaton College. It's the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. And I... Uh, you know, on that, one, at the college. on that What's one, that? can I just interrupt for just a second? I want you to know yeah. I'm, a, I'm a weedy. I went to oh, Wheaton. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, even better. Awesomeness. Okay. We, we share <laughs> right. that little piece. <laughs> Go ahead. Tova's a weedy. Actually, I'm not, I couldn't probably get into Wheaton College. It was too academically challenging for me, <laughs> but I later became a professor. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> I'm a professor at Wheaton as well. I'm teaching pastor at High Point Church in, uh, in Chicago area. just finishing up, we think, my interim teaching pastor role uh, at the Moody Church. And fun fact for Miami listeners, I used to be the teaching pastor at Christ Fellowship in Miami. I was there for about six or seven years. And so loved, uh, gosh, I guess I've been in Miami probably more than any other city in, uh, except where I've lived. And well, so I knew you've been down here. We're, we're expecting some of the, some of your fans to come out to this event because I know that they loved you there at Christ Fellowship and your teaching. And I think you've had a big impact down here in Miami. So Hopefully we'll get some of those people to come out and see you. Well, I'd love to, love to see them and love to just, you know, God's doing great stuff in that church, and, and I miss being there. Mm-hmm. I've written some, some different books. most recent one is Christians in the Age of Outrage. Um, and, of course, that's my favorite book because it was the most recent book. Uh, and, <laughs> and for about 10 years before I came to Wheaton College, I was the vice president of LifeWay, served there as the head of research and some other different roles. Some great things. So let's backtrack on a couple of those. First of all, tell us a little bit more about the Christians in the Age of Outrage. Tell us about that book. Yeah, what we would find is a whole lot of people are angry and outraged and not sure how best to express that. And so what's happened is is that we almost have a whole generation, and a lot of Christians too, who are being discipled by their cable news choices and spiritually (laughs) shaped by their social media echo chamber. And what we're trying to say is what's a a Christ-like, God-honoring way from an evangelical perspective, you know, from a perspective that believes biblical truths to be true and real, and at the same time wants to engage uh, her or his neighbors who maybe don't know the Lord, have a different view, and maybe the answer is not always saying things on social media or elsewhere 
about how stupid people are who don't agree with us, but rather mm-hmm. asking, you know, how can we build uh, a bridge for the, you know, we're, there seems to be a, people, a lot of burning bridges going on. We want to be building bridges. Yeah, it's very disturbing to me that we are as known as Christians as being burning bridges, as being judgmental yeah. and critical. It It is actually quite disturbing to me. I have friends and relatives and things who fall in that category. And, and I, I just think it isn't grace. It doesn't welcome people to the gospel. It, you know, it's a sad thing happening. So what are your solutions? Yeah, a part of it is walking through the scriptures, the teachings of Jesus. You know, we want, my solution is not just, hey, let's not talk about important things. My, mm-hmm. our solution, you know, some people, they just say, well, you're telling me I can't just say whatever I want. I'm an American. And I'm like, no, it's not really what I'm saying. Say, well, I'm, they're saying I'm just trying to be frank. Well, I say, if your name is not Frank, maybe stop trying to do that. <laughs> and even if your name is Frank, do it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And what I'm looking for is for people's words and actions related to issues of the day to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to reflect the values of the gospel and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I think if we do those things, rather than get caught up in, a, for example, a social media echo chamber, I think ultimately the Lord will be honored and we will we will engage the communities around us. Yeah, we really will. And And when we come, you know, to me it reminds me of the passage about being a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If we haven't done it with love... It really is useless, and um, so exactly. it needs to be done with love, and that's what you're you're talking about, right? Exactly, and it's, it's love and then discernment. I think a big part that Christians maybe sometimes lack, you know, when they talked about, like, Russian interference in the last election and things of that sort, um, which, which everyone agrees happened at this point, and the question is how much. Um, the groups that the Russians particularly targeted were often conservative Christians. They found them to be easily fooled. And the New York Times did a whole story on this, and it's heartbreaking. I, I, you know, the Bible says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if we believe we are people of the truth, we, we should, you know, the, the world is not going to respond to a group of easily fooled, angry religious people. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately we need to ask the question, how do we live with discernment and live with love? And I think that makes all the difference. Yeah, I find for myself in terms of that, I actually listen to the very right news and the very left news because I'm hoping to find some truth between them. Yeah. Um, I think we have to be open-minded to hearing everything so we can discern truth. It's pretty hard right now because everything is so biased. So I don't know if that relates to what you're talking about. but Oh, it does. It does. Actually, there, there is a very clear sense. And, and what happens is, is people get caught up in that. And so, you know, you're watching both. Most people don't watch both. And so what happens is, whatever their echo chamber is, they start believing the strangest and craziest things because they hear them on their whatever cable news or their internet news, and then they hear them on their social media, and there's just no reality sometimes to it. Now, I'm not saying there's always no reality, but I think that's why discerning people are listening to more than one source and ultimately filtering it all through the scriptures and just obedience to the Holy Spirit. All right, so I had another question for you. In your Wikipedia description of yourself, it says that you are a missiologist. So I thought I'd ask you to define that for our listeners. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, if, if it's on Wikipedia, you know it's true. It's true, it's absolutely. On Wikipedia, it's not true. <laughs> yeah, so of course I didn't write that article, So, but, but it is true. So I have a Ph.D. in a field focused on mission, and so you can see it in the word, missy, mm-hmm. all right? And so where missions and missy come from missio, so missiology is the study of mission or missions. And so what I do is I uh, am trained to study cultures 
and to train people to have cross-cultural uh, engagement. And so what I've spent most of my ministry doing is helping people to understand the Western culture that we're in, you know, North America, in the Western world, and to engage it on mission. You know, Jesus says in John twenty twenty one, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. So we're sent on mission into this world, and I help people to be prepared for that. Well, I love that, and I uh, was born in the mission field and have grown up in a family of, of missionaries, and so it's important to me, all those things, and so I just thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about what does it mean to have a Ph.D. in missions, so that's great. Um, well, that leads me into your 10 years of research at Lifeway. Talk to us about Lifeway, how you got into that, and, and what Lifeway does. Yeah, so I was the I was working at the North American Mission Board in basically North Georgia or Atlanta area, and they I got a call from Tom Rayner and Brad Wagner asking me to come lead research at Lifeway, and so I served there for 10 years until I moved here about three and a half years ago. I still do some work with them, but uh, but not as an employee, but on a contract basis. But I um, I went there and helped to kind of establish the research team, and so Lifeway Research uh, was became and was and still is. Uh, a leading research firm that surveys churches and people in culture and to understand kind of what people are thinking and ultimately how to engage them better. So, you know, one of the things we'll talk about at our Wellspring event is some of the research we started at Lifeway Research and we continue now that I'm now that I'm just a contractor with Lifeway is we're looking at kind of uh, the stigma of mental health in churches. We're looking at how churches respond to uh, mental health, and more. So we're trying to find how best to help churches to take those next steps, take those wise next steps uh, to really minister to those among them who uh, who have been diagnosed or even those who have not been diagnosed with a mental illness. Yeah. I actually, even before I knew who you were, turned to Lifeway Research uh, fairly often to find some of those trends and things as I speak on the radio and such. I, I love that research. I think it helps us know what's happening in the church with pastors, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, how they're responding to society and all those things. So I think the work that's done there is really profound. I want to just congratulate that and thank the, all the people who got that started and keep up with that. It's a, it's a big task and it's an important one that we have some honest understanding of what's happening in, in the church. You know, it's, it's so true. Facts are our friends and we need to know the facts. And, you know, when we did research on mental health, for example, we found that Christians believe that through prayer and Bible study alone that God can heal mental illness. And, and I, I want you to know that I believe God can supernaturally uh, intervene if he chooses to do so. But the reality is so many people around us, we have um, around people struggling with mental illness who sometimes we have created a greater stigma in the church because, well, why isn't God fix them. I mean, what's the deal with that? So for us, and actually it was half of evangelicals, and this made a lot of a lot of news when we first put this out mm-hmm. a few and years ago. It did. And we, we followed up with other research as well. Now, again, it's, it's really important that, that all of our listeners understand that you and I believe God can intervene. And But the reality is when we have this perception, and then we just say, well, pray and read the Bible, and you'll overcome serious mental illness, God can supernaturally do that. We don't want to say he can't do that. But most of the time, it's called a miracle because it doesn't happen every day. If it happened every day, it would be called Thursday. Uh, but it's not. It's, so we've got to then help and be prepared to help people 
who do struggle with uh, very real mental illness. And uh, it appears that sometimes Christians are less prepared and sometimes have a greater stigma than even the secular world. And that, that was a burden to us, uh, a passion for us to address at LifeWay Research, a passion for me to help people have a greater clarity as well. Well, and that you just hit it. One of the reasons we're doing this Shattering the Stigma event as a whole Wellspring, really, we're here working in the church, although maybe only half of the people who come to us have a faith at all or any even a church affiliation. But nevertheless, we feel like our mission is to the church in Miami at large and the ministries in it. And so this is really important to us. I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road for us at Wellspring. So we have people who come in, they are churched, they come in and they eventually come in and they feel beat up because if I just had more faith, if I then I wouldn't be depressed. If I were, if I believed in the scriptures that God is, you know, gives me hope, then I wouldn't feel sad. If I, you know, and they've heard that in the church, they've believed that somehow through personal effort and prayer and faith, these things would go away, and then they discover that it's it's kind of a more we come at it from a more holistic response, which is wow, maybe there's this major trauma that has affected your brain that is causing you to have these emotional triggers. And so by resolving those prior bad things that have happened, by maybe getting some medication because they've been depressed for 10 years and so now their entire body is off, by maybe doing the holistic care, everything from yoga to exercise to then discipleship and prayer and scripture memory and counseling and a psychiatrist. It's its really seeing people as whole people the same way we do in the physical realm. We're just completely different in the mental realm than we are in the physical realm. We do not say to people, oh, you know, I'll just pray, but, and then we don't send them to the doctor to get their, you know, broken leg fixed. We, we don't do that. We say, I'll pray for you while you find a doctor, while you drive to the hospital. You know, we just handle it a whole different way. It, it's very hurtful to people to to make them feel not only do they feel bad mentally, but they feel more uh, shame because they shouldn't be off in their thinking. Yeah, we actually can cause harm rather mm-hmm. than help with, and, and it's well-meaning. It's, it is. You know, just, it is, again, your, your broken leg example is so good. An example I often use is that, you know, okay, you know, the Lord has healed your heart and uh, let's move on. Well, okay, the Lord's healed you. Let's move on. Well, my leg's broken. Well, but the, but the Lord's fixed the other things in your life. Why hasn't fixed this thing in your life? Uh, but my leg's broken. And I think ultimately to acknowledge that this is a physical condition, and this is really important. People often don't realize that trauma, for example, causes and channels the, the brain in ways uh, to protect oneself mm-hmm. that have physiological realities, physical attributes that now evidence-based research says, here's how we might walk through that, here's how we might help people through that. And to deny people that because we love them in the name of Jesus is to ultimately do them harm unintentionally. So part of what I love Wellspring and the partnership with churches throughout South Florida and beyond, and more and more people are seeing and acknowledging this, is that uh, we need partners between churches and mental health professionals. And it's important, too, you know, Wellspring, of course, you know, being a Christian organization, but it's important to note, too, that that the anti-religion mentality of that people you know maybe heard about in the 70s and 80s was for a season true, and most of that place is is gone now. And now we have wonderful places like Wellspring, and others that have a Christian uh, worldview basis 
and, and yet evidence-based practices. And in doing so, we combine the best of um, both worlds, and we have the spiritual care and the community, and all of which, by the way, uh, helps with the mental health, spiritual care, community, relationships, fellowship of a church, and can also, when there's need, not everybody has this need, but when there's need, some additional help with some psychological, some trauma issues, whatever else it may be. Boy, that's a God-honoring partnership if there ever was one. Well, that's what we do at Wellspring. You know, we our offices are in churches, and that allows us to have these partnerships with churches. And, and we actually have many churches we partner with where we don't have office sites, but they send people to us when they have a higher level of mental health uh, needs. And we send people into churches for discipleship, for a community that they need, for some of these groups that they run. Maybe they're running a divorce care group or maybe they're running a grief group or something. And so there's this flow uh, back and forth from the different levels of care. And sometimes the levels of care flow up to hospitalizations and psychiatrists. But we really need this continuum of care and and the church needs to not be. People come to the church first often for these things. And so there just needs to be this wonderful flow back and forth between those levels in the same way we do the medical, again, like we do in the medical community. So, well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break for our listeners. Uh, We will be right back. We are with Ed Stetzer on uh, Wellspring on the Air, and we'll finish up in just a minute. Why is it that having a mental illness, unlike a physical illness, has a stigma? Come be a part of an event that will shed light on surprising facts about mental health. Join Wellspring Counseling to support a cause that impacts us all. This event will include a concert of inspiration and encouragement from Run 51, well-known author and speaker Ed Stanzer, a silent auction with great deals for everyone, and a wellness expo. All this happens on Thursday, April 2nd at Wayside Baptist Church. Visit wellspringmiami.org for more information. Welcome back to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova, co-founder and president of Wellspring Counseling, and I have a very special guest with me today, Dr. Ed Stetzer. And Ed, it's just been great to have you with us today. So glad to be here. Thanks. If you are just tuning in to us, I want you to know that you can find us on our website, wellspringmiami.org. You can find us on your favorite podcast channel, and you can hear the beginning of this show if you missed more of this and you would really like to hear Ed Stetzer. So we have Ed Stetzer on the show today because we have a wonderful event coming up. It's called Shattering the Stigma. It is Wellspring's 10th anniversary, and we are celebrating our 10 years here. And more importantly, we are taking this opportunity to shatter the stigmas of mental health, particularly in the Christian communities, but in the world in general, in our community. So it's an educational event. We will have fun things at the beginning. We will have a silent auction, a live auction. We will have an expo with all sorts of wellness partners in our community with tables and things out there. We will have food available, and then we will move into a program where we have Dr. Ed Stetzer, who's with us today. We will have a band, Run 51. We will have some videos and some panel discussions. It's going to be an exciting event. So we are inviting all of you to come to this. If you have not got your tickets yet, you need to get those tickets right away. So sign up for it. You can go to our website, wellspringmiami.org, and there's a registration right on the front page. Okay. Let's move on then, Dr. Stetzer. Uh, We've been talking so far about, you know, some of your career, including your work at Lifeway Research, and then moving into the world of mental health and the evangelical community. So I'm wondering, and if you have any personal reasons that this became so important to you as you did this research on mental health in the church community, is there a reason this uh, touches home for you? 
That's a good question, and you know, sometimes people are nervous to ask that, so you didn't ask that ahead of time, so I appreciate you diving in. Uh, <laughs> we can edit it out if you need me no, to. No, no, it's good. It's good. No, it's good. So a uh, couple, couple of things. Um, first was my aunt uh, died by suicide, and she was kind of my hero in a lot of ways. She was very brilliant. She was both a doctor and a lawyer. She was the smartest person I knew and invested in me and always struggled, and, and actually, you know, you can see there were activities that sort of flowed out of her struggle. She was uh, once arrested for smuggling guns to the Irish Republican Army, mm, and wow. which seemed like such a strange, random thing, but it wasn't that. And so when she was arrested, the newspaper wrote a story and said that she hadn't practiced as a doctor and a lawyer for years and took a considerable amount of medication. Well, what they didn't say was that she was mentally ill, and she soon thereafter uh, died by suicide. Mm-hmm. And so, but nobody would acknowledge it or speak of it in my family, not because they were bad people, but because they didn't know how to speak of it or the shame. Is that our fault? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it her parents' fault? And so what, for me, watching that, and that was when I was younger. And then as a young pastor, I actually had a man come to our church. His name was Jim. I wrote about him in CNN. And Jim, um, I, never, I never met somebody who loved God as much as Jim. He, he would sing and pray the Psalms and all this sort of this stuff, and it was just deeply loved the Lord. And then he would go into a, a deep depression. And I, I later learned about how sometimes these things would cycle and there'd be what we'd call later a manic phase and a, mm-hmm. depression, a depressed phase. And I was maybe 23 when he died by suicide. And I just realized I didn't... I didn't know how to help him. Now, it's not that he didn't have care. He did. He, was, he had care. But I wasn't really, as his pastor, a part of that care. And he was engaged. You know, he had been diagnosed and been worked, when working through some, with, with, you know, under a physician's care and more. But I, I, I was just burdened. So how, how can the church be a partner in someone like Jim's journey? And so those things together began to push me to think and learn more. And, again, I am not an expert. People like you are the experts. But I eventually... You know, we're after uh, Rick and Kay Warren's son died by suicide. Mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty close to the Warrens. I speak at Saddleback a few times a year. And at that point, it was kind of like, you know what, I, I think, because here, here was, and, and maybe this just gave me the courage, here was somebody who received all the appropriate care. I mean, you know the Warrens were right. aware of these things and was in a supportive church environment and still died by suicide. And for me, I think that was probably, that's when I wrote about Jim and CNN, that was probably the the major thing that sort of said, you know what, this is, and I think maybe the Warrens, one of the great legacies they'll have is that from their pain they ministered, and in doing so, they showed us that it doesn't always go away, even when you love Jesus and even when you're in a good church. And and that, to me, was when I started getting more involved, and we started doing some research, and it was interesting. After I wrote an article, we had a, uh, a donor who has chosen to remain anonymous this day, but whose brother died by suicide, and he funded us to do a huge research project onto um, Christians and people with a diagnosed mental illness, and then family members of those. I'll share some of that at the Wellspring event that I will just tell you is just fascinating and at the same time uh, burdensome when you hear uh, the hurt and the cries that they have for, for, for help. And so we'll share some of that and more at the Wellspring event. Well, I just appreciate you being honest and telling us some of your personal reasons. Often we all, we go into the parts of the ministry we do because of our own life experiences. So I suspected there was a reason, there was a passion behind it. 
And um, but I I think you're hitting at some things that are really important. If you again take a physical realm, sometimes we lose the battle with cancer, and our loved ones do die. And I think it's obviously true that sometimes people die from their mental illnesses, whether they die by suicide or by not good care of those things. And so it isn't a reasonable expectation that if the church got really involved and really cared that there would always be these, quote, positive outcomes. But I'm absolutely convinced, kind of like you described about Jim, I'm absolutely convinced that even with that disability, people can have full, rich spiritual lives. They can love God. Um, And I watched that with one of my clients that I had for many years and uh, who was schizophrenic and pretty severe and I watched her agony over, you know, I pray, why doesn't this go away? And then she'd, she'd kind of loop around and cycle around again on and off her meds and, and that kind of thing. And her life was very hard. And I used to just grieve when I was in a session with her because I, I felt the helplessness of it. But simultaneously, I found myself marveling at her faith and her deep relationship with God, her dependency on him. And it was a it was a beautiful thing to behold, even though she was suffering. And so I, I do believe that God uses us in our suffering. He makes us more dependent on him. He makes us more like him. And he can guide us to good care also. And, and he can be engaged in those ways. But sometimes he even uses us because of our handicaps, you know. And um, there are a lot of people in a lot of ministries because of the disabilities they have that, that God uses as driving forces in their lives. And so it's important that we not think, you know, oh, you're not mentally well, so therefore you can't serve in the church or have a place or all those things. Well, there is hope, isn't there? What do you think the hope is for, what would it look like if we did a great job in the church for managing mental health issues? Yeah, so uh, for managing mental health issues, I think begins with the church being a place for people who are struggling, who are maybe broken like I am and like you are. A church without the broken is kind of a broken church. It's not really functioning the way the church is supposed to. Mm -hmm. So that sort of open space and place for people who struggle, I think, is key. And then I think a supportive environment for people who, uh, you know, so much of a journey towards mental health and wellness has to do with being in community. And a lot of times people who struggle with mental illness have lost that community for whatever reason. could be their family's response. could be their response to their family that then what we might do is respond by being a welcoming place that can acknowledge that people struggle with mental illness are, are wonderful people who love Jesus. And, you know, I have, uh, you know, I've had people who work for me who struggle with mental illness. I've worked for people who struggle with mental illness. And in all of those cases, it's been a good, God-honoring, supportive environment. So, yeah, I, th- I think ultimately churches can be what God calls us to be. Right. And I think that as we shatter the stigmas is there's less shame around it. The fact that you have these issues doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It doesn't mean you didn't pray enough. Um, It does mean you have something to work through and work on. And as we quit blaming families, assuming it must be bad parenting and we and we quit shaming people for just having these issues, that supportive, caring environment will naturally unfold within the church community. I think I really do. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, um, what other last things do you want to add as we come to wrap up our time here? Is there anything that you really want to say, a personal message to the church at large that you would like to, you know, what are your most passionate messages? I do. I I think one of the things that I would just encourage people to do is I understand that you may be afraid for your church to engage in something like this. 
because, we actually done some research on this, because of your perception that this will be an exhausting, overwhelming, and ministry-draining reality. And what I want to say to you is, is that it doesn't have to be, you know, your church can engage a families who, and this isn't someone often even outside, but your church can engage families who struggle um, and just be a part of the day-to-day life that they live. You do not have to become, you'll partner with uh, mental health organizations. You do not have to become a counseling agency. Uh, that's probably, particularly when we're dealing with mental illness, beyond the realm of most of our expertise, not that we can't provide support, encouragement, and more. So this would be part of your ministry. It won't overwhelm your ministry. And I think sometimes because people are afraid that it might overwhelm their ministry, they don't engage at all. So don't do that. Recognize that God's at work in all different kinds of people, some of whom struggle with mental illness, and they need a place to really engage a community that will help them on their journey. Well, amen to that. You've said it very well. It has been a wonderful pleasure to have you with us today, Dr. Stetzer, and we look forward to you coming in just a few weeks for April 2nd. And I just, again, thank you for this opportunity to have this conversation with you. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's time for us to wrap up. This is Tova Kreps and Dr. Ed Stetzer with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter. Wellspring on the Air is a production of Wellspring Counseling, a nonprofit professional counseling center with multiple locations in Miami-Dade County. Wellspring therapists are licensed by the state of Florida and Christian in their worldviews. They have wide ranges of clinical expertise, including marriage, family, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Their diverse group of therapists includes several who speak Spanish or Portuguese. If you would like to know more about Wellspring's services of counseling and education, go to their website at wellspringmiami.org or give them a call at 786-573-7010 or email them at ontheair at wellspringmiami.org. Again, you can find a way to contact them at wellspringmiami.org.